Hey friends, it's Coley. Welcome to another episode of Still With You. I am so excited that you are here, especially for this episode of the podcast. As you might have noticed, it's a little non-traditional because I am not speaking with a friend this week, but I am sharing a message that God has been growing and molding and just working within my heart involving the story of Joshua. And I cannot wait for you to let the story of Rahab and how we can find our identity only in Jesus. Just sink into your own life and let God speak directly to you. Before I tell you a little bit more about that, I do want to remind you of the amazing music that you're listening to right now from our friend folk indie artist Gabrielle Grace. If you would like to listen to more of her work and connect with her, you can visit her website gabriellegracemusic.net or find her on social media at gabriellegracemusic. This is the last week for her Kickstarter campaign for her new album that she is working on. Please, if you have not not given yet it is so much fun to support friends and encourage them as they take brave steps so i would love it if we could rally around her in supporting this new project a few months ago i had the opportunity to speak with a group of students from liberty church about the story of rahab found in joshua chapter 2 how we can only find our true identity through jesus i want to thank them so much for allowing me to come and hang out and talk about this subject the story of rahab the prostitute in Joshua chapter 2 is one of rescue and redemption. The fact that God would break literal walls to save Rahab and offer her not only a new life of freedom, but also the gift of his word and the honor of being in the lineage of Jesus. I can't make this up, friends. It is amazing. And I hope that you, through this story, are reminded to forget any label that you have attached to your life. Cast off the lies that you have been told about who you are, your sins, messy past, actions, occupation, goals, dreams, appearance, all of those things do not define you. Our true identity is found only in Jesus. Repent and believe being sons and daughters of the most high loving father is all that we will ever need. This episode is very dear to my heart, not because of my words, but because of the message of Jesus. Thank you again for taking a moment to come hang out. I'm so happy you're here. I pray over you right now as you're listening that this message and the word of God deeply moves you. was so unnecessary, but thank you so much. Well, how are y'all doing tonight? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It has been fun to watch you relay race for ice cream, and I'm really impressed with what's happening with the nine square game. I've never seen anything like that. That was so fun. I used to play like four square a lot, so like that's like a whole nother level, so well done. Nick and Nikki are awesome leaders. They are amazing friends of mine. Um, Even though they're not here, I just wanted to honor them and just say, you know, that they're great. I was so excited when Nick reached out to me, and I just am really glad to be here. And if you didn't catch it, my name is Coley. And again, my husband, Chris, and I, we have been serving at Liberty Church's downtown campus since 2017. We've led a college small group for college students for the past two years. And so I love students. I also substitute teach for high schools around the area. So students are just a part of my heart. I believe that you all have great influence. I love your heart for the Lord. And um, I believe that God is raising up 
up a generation of great leaders. We're gonna get in the word and talk about some things that are really important that you guys are facing in regards to your identity. So identity is something that you might hear a lot, but it's more than a question of just like, who am I or what do others think about me? Perhaps you've had conversations with school counselors, maybe your parents, maybe a coach, and they've tied the word identity to your personality, your giftings, maybe a field of expertise that you wanna go into. And I'm just gonna ask tonight that you come with an open heart and kind of just leave those expectations tied to that word at the door because we're gonna look at what the Bible says about identity and who you are. And so if you came in tonight, maybe you're like angry with someone or maybe you're worried about something. And also I heard it was like, this is like the last meeting before school starts, right? Maybe you're kind of anxious about that. I just ask for the next couple of minutes that we just lay our expectations down for what God's gonna do. And um, we just come hungry to hear the word because we're gonna get in the word tonight. So um, I'm gonna pray and then... We're gonna get started in the book of Joshua, learning about Rahab. So I'm gonna pray. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your presence. God, I just ask for every heart in here just to be solely focused on you. God, we just turn our ears, we turn our eyes, we turn our full attention to what you are gonna say tonight, to who you say that we are. God, remove me from the picture and let your voice be known. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, well, like I said, we're gonna be talking about Rahab the prostitute, and this story is found in the book of Joshua. But before we talk about Rahab, we're actually gonna talk about Joshua because he is the main character of this story before we get to Rahab. And the book of Joshua is the first of 12 historical books written in the Bible. And though the author is unknown, it's probable that Joshua himself wrote this because he is the key witness to all these events. And Joshua was born a slave. There was a time in history when there was a Pharaoh in Egypt Egypt who kept the Israelite people, the nation of Israel in captivity and he would make them, he would make them make bricks and then they would have to build buildings to advance the kingdom. And this was just terrible for the Israelite people. But there was this other leader, his name is Moses. Have you guys heard about Moses? Okay, right, the book of Exodus. So there's this guy named Moses and he, and God told Moses, you're gonna lead my people to freedom. I have a land for you, it's called Canaan and it's the promised land and you're gonna take these people, my people, the Israelites, I'm gonna deliver you and take you to this land. And so there's the big Exodus where they take everyone, they break away from, from Pharaoh's rule and they move out, to, um, out of Egypt and begin their journey to the promised land. There's the parting of the Red Sea and all of these miracles. But then there came a point where Moses was old and he died. And um, I don't know if you've read this in the Bible, but this is fascinating. The Bible actually says that God buried Moses, which that is crazy. Like that's better than any Discovery Channel stuff or like Unsolved Mysteries. Under Moses is the assistant Joshua. And Joshua has been serving under Moses, like watching him, what he does. And so when the book of Joshua begins, Moses has just died and God has blessed Joshua and was like, Joshua, you're gonna lead the people. You're gonna continue to lead the people on the path that I have for them to the journey of Canaan. And I don't know if you guys have ever been on any kind of journey, like a road trip, maybe a camping trip, although camping is a little too hot in Florida, right? <laughs> but if you've been on any kind of adventure like that, you know that there are some obstacles that 
everybody faces. There's just some things that just get super annoying, but every trip's gonna have them. Maybe it's like you're hiking and you get a blister on your foot, or maybe, has anybody ever ran out of gas before? Like, or your parents ran out of gas? Some of you guys don't have your driver's license, I forgot that. <laughs> okay, just like any type of journey, again, like there is, there's these just obstacles that you'll have, that you have to overcome. And that's the same for Joshua. Joshua has become the leader of the Israelite people. And then as they're continuing to make their way to Canaan, they come in front of a few obstacles. One being the Jordan River. And then another is a city called Jericho. And Jericho is huge. It has these tall walls and it stands right in the path between them and the land of Canaan that they are going to. The Lord warns Joshua about what to do. And like a good leader, Joshua doesn't just go up to, um, he doesn't just like berate and like everyone cross the Jordan River now. He doesn't just go up to Jericho and like knock on the gates and like, let us in. He like and the good leader he is, he consults the Lord and was like, God, what do I do? These obstacles are in the way, what should I do? And the Lord tells him, he says, keep the people, keep the Israelite people on the east side of the Jordan River. And when I say it is time for you to go, then you will lead the Israelite people. Joshua's like, okay, God, we'll wait. And so the Lord also tells him just to send two men to go and check out Jericho. So Joshua sends out two spies. They cross the Jordan River. They get into the city of Jericho. And so we're going to, um, if you have your, if you have, Um, a Bible, pull it out. If you have your phone, also it's gonna be on the screen. That's fine too, but we're gonna pick up in Joshua um, chapter two, verse one. And it says, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there for the night. Now the Bible does a good job of always telling us what we need to know. always tells us exactly what we need to know. But there's a lot of questions that we might have with reading the Bible. Like, we don't know why the spies had to stay the night. Maybe they ran out of food. Maybe it got dark and they're like, hey, we don't have enough time to get back to the camp. But we do know that they're stuck in the city of Jericho in a house, in a, in a house that's by Rahab, the prostitute. And we learn later in the story that Rahab lives with her family. But what everyone knows her for, she is a prostitute. In fact, every time the Bible introduces Rahab, they don't just say Rahab. They just say Rahab, the prostitute. And you should know that by having this title, she's not wanted in her city. Like people look down on her. I don't know if you guys have groups where there's like unpopular, popular people. Those groups are so silly, but unfortunately they still happen. Rahab is an outcast in her society. People don't look highly upon her because of what she does. They don't see her for who she is, but only because of what she does. These two spies are now at Rahab's house and we learned that the king of Jericho has now been informed that these spies have intruded the city of Jericho. And so the king comes to Rahab's house and he is like, hey, I know that you have two spies in your house. It says in Joshua 2, two through three. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Now listen to Rahab's response. This is verse four. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch them. Actually, she had 
taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundle of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men left, the gate of Jericho shut. And if you imagine that like a movie, that gives me full chills because now the two spies are stuck in Jericho in a city where they're not wanted. They're at the home of Rahab the prostitute and everyone in that house is at risk because Rahab just lied to the king. And if that's not bad enough, what I just told you about what the town thinks of her, she's not wanted anyway. Everyone is at risk for these two guys who are, who are now in Jericho. But watch this, because God is about to move. In Joshua chapter two, this is again verse eight. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof. Remember, the spies are hiding up on the roof. It says, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with him. And she said, I know the Lord has given you this land. And she's talking about the city of Jericho, but she's also talking about the land of Canaan that has been promised to the Israelite people. And she says, I know the Lord has promised you this land. Hold up. Rahab does not have an iPhone. In fact, news at this time actually travels at about two, maybe 2.5 miles per hour, the distance that someone's able to walk, maybe four miles per hour if you have a chariot of some sort and a horse. But how does Rahab, the prostitute, the person who's like the outcast of her city, how does she know about God? Um, She says, we're all afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror for we heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. We know what you did to Shinog and Og and the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. See, in God's kindness, he allowed Rahab to know what he was about to do before he carried it out. Even from what little she had heard about this mighty God who parted the Red Sea, she knows that he is powerful and the Israelite people are strong and courageous and are obediently carrying out what God has told them to do, that they are going after the land of Canaan, the promised land, that nothing is going to stand in their way because God is on their side. And in God's kindness, he allowed Rahab to know what was about to happen to save her life. And she knows that if she does not ask for her life to be spared, then she will not survive. So she is desperate to save her family. And she asked the spies for a guarantee of her safety. It says in Joshua 2, 14 through 16, it says, we offer, this is the spies talking. They said, we offer our lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you um, when the Lord gives us the land. They hatch a plan and they actually take an oath. The spies and Rahab take an oath and they say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to crawl out a window. So again, remember Jericho is this city with a big wall. We're gonna take a rope and we're gonna crawl out the window and we are going to go back to the Israelite camp and we're gonna you know, tell our people, but here's what we need you to do. When we come to take over the city, we need all of your family. Rahab, you have to take all of your family and keep them in your house, and you're gonna take a scarlet rope, and you're gonna drop it from the window, and that way we know when we see the scarlet rope that you have held up to your oath and that all of your family are in the house, and you and your family will be protected. Later on in this chapter that it says that the spies crawled down from a rope, and then when they were 
on their way, they look back and the rope is hanging from the wall. And that again just gives me like full chills. Like think about as they like turn back and they're like, man, that girl's super brave. And I hate it because um, I'm gonna have to give you a Sparks Notes version of like the rest of the story. But what happens is the spies return back to the Israelite camp and they tell Joshua everything that happened. And then the Israelite people, they cross the Jordan River and then they come to Jericho and there's this big miracle that happens and all of the walls of Jericho come crashing down. And it even says that after the walls came down that the city was burned. Everything was destroyed. But when they came there, they saw the rope hanging and they knew that they had to honor their promise and they wanted to honor their promise. And Rahab and her family survived. And for a moment, I just wanna zoom out and for you to, you and I, to attempt to understand the rarity of this because Rahab was a nobody. She was an unwanted girl living in an unwanted city. Men took advantage of her, society overlooked her, and her whole identity was based on what she did, not who she was. She was known for her title, Rahab the prostitute. But now she and her family are spared. And not only are they spared, but Rahab is now on a first name basis with Joshua, who Joshua is like the main dude. He is like a hero to the Israelite people. Like he's like a celebrity. And that is a big deal. It says in Joshua 6, through 23. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father, mother, brothers, and all the relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe space near the camp of Israel. Rahab should not be alive. She should not be remembered. But this redemption story is so much bigger than the identity that she was given. In fact, there's this beautiful moment in Joshua chapter eight where Joshua pulls out the book of instruction. And this is a book that Moses um, wrote hearing from the word of hearing from God. And this eventually like made it into the Bible. This was like what they had as the, for their Bible. It's amazing because everyone gathered around and also like writing supplies was so limited during that time. So the fact that they had not only heard from God, but they had supplies to write it down and they had this scroll in this moment. It was just amazing. Joshua pulls out the word of instruction and he reads it among the people and Rahab and her family get to hear the word of God, the Bible that you and I read today. Rahab got to hear that. So not only was Rahab's life spared, but God was like, here, take my word. This is what's gonna save you. This is what's gonna help you in your faith. I not only want your life, but I want your soul. Even with her messy past, her trauma, the sin she's committed, God doesn't care. He didn't care what her family thought, what her friends think. And in fact, I think that God probably was really offended every time that someone saw her for what, who, what she did and not who she was, like if they were mean to her. You know, have you ever watched a friend who got bullied before? Did you ever step in and like tell them like, hey, knock it off? Or maybe after you saw someone get hurt, you like came alongside them and were like, hey, like that's not how life is, like I'm so sorry. We feel safe and comforted and confident when someone stands up for us and when they call us higher and remind us of who we are. 
We are imperfect people who sometimes get it right in advocating for others, but God always gets it right. He will always remind us of who we are because he is perfect in his kindness, his love, and the view of everything that he created, which includes all of you. You might not be Rahab the prostitute, but you might be known as, I don't know, Coley the blank. These are just random names, but like Denise the blank, Sarah the whatever, Mark the whatever. Maybe you're the student who failed three courses last year. Maybe you failed three courses this past semester. Maybe you're the teammate who quit mid-season the son who struggles to please their parents, the daughter who always disappoints everyone, the person who always has to be in first place, the friend with the highest Snapchat streak, or the trendiest person on TikTok or Instagram among your friend group. Maybe no one gave you that title, but maybe you gave that title yourself. And students, this also is your leaders. Leaders, I know that we all go through that same thing where the world gives us labels, right, that we don't want, or we give them to ourselves. Well, let me remind you, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself this too. There's just nothing that, I, that I, I, I don't need to hear myself. But the Bible says that the tongue has the power of life and death. What we speak, become, what we speak becomes what we eat, and what we consume becomes our truth, but our truth is not the truth. Only what God says about who we are is the truth. And he wants to give you a safe, joy-filled, exciting life on purpose for his kingdom, just as he removed Rahab from her circumstance and broke down literal walls to rescue her, to know that she is a daughter, a child of God, holy, worthy, set apart, beloved, enthralled with beauty and brave because God is on her side. Friends, if that's the links that God would go to reach Rahab, what would he do for you? There's no limit in what he would do just so you would know who you are in him, your identity. And like I said, I don't want you to think that I am exempt from any of this because I could tell you all kinds of things that myself as a mid-20 adult struggles with. But I want to, I was, as I was praying about this, I was thinking about a time in my life that I was sitting where you're sitting. And um, God reminded me of a time that I walked through my junior year of high school. See, I grew up in a really small community in mid-Missouri, and Missouri is in the middle of the country. For those of you who forgot about us, we supply your corn and beef. Thank you. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Anyway, I went to a small high school, and um, the community that I was in was super hyper-focused on relationships. Like, it was like relationships were their idol, and if you weren't in a relationship with someone, then everyone was like, Who's there gonna, who are they gonna be dating next, you know? And I had friends who would like domino date, like they would just date one person right after the other. And even the parents of my friends would like get in on this and they would just be super like, just like it was, it was a game to them. And then there was me. I, um, I had heard from the Lord that I wasn't supposed to date in high school and I was like, what the heck, God? Like, 
I don't understand. Like everyone around me is like dating and having fun. And this is super hard for me because I go to social events and I see everyone like holding hands and texting one another. And you know, I don't like being the third wheel, all these things. And by then I was like 16 and I had never been kissed and I was getting this reputation for just being like the Bible girl, like the good girl. And I was so mad because I was like, I don't wanna be like, yeah, I love Jesus, but like, I don't wanna be known for all these things. I just wanna be me. I just wanna be Coley. And I was confused because people were giving me labels that I was not. And so I asked, I remember this, I had a car ride with my mom and I asked my, I was complaining to my mom about not having a boyfriend and all these things. And I will never forget, she looked at me and she was like, Coley, I know you think it would be super cool to be in, to have a boyfriend right now, but do you ever wonder if God called you to be single in this season of your life just to show your friends that their identity doesn't have to be found in a relationship? And I was like, whoa. Like, I mean, have you guys ever had those moments? Like parents can be super embarrassing and uncool, but sometimes they have like a fire moment and you're like, dang, like I gotta give it to you. That was really what I needed to hear. <laughs> and I had a moment like that where I was like, wow, that, that was true fire mom. And honestly, like I took it to heart and I started to watch my life change. Um, I got serious about studying scripture and my relationship with Jesus became my first priority. And I started talking with Jesus about friends on camp to friends on campus. I learned a foreign language. I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip. I played sports and I had fun and I had fun because I didn't care. It was like those chains had fallen off of me and I just was starting to hear from God and just allow God to tell me who I was, not let my friends tell me that I needed to be in a relationship, that I needed to look like this, that I needed to act like this. I was just like, God, I wanna be like you. And because of that, I, I had a, it was fun. I didn't have to feel like I was anybody but who he wanted me to be. And my story is also like Rahab because God protected me and in his timing, he blessed me with a handsome husband who loves Jesus more than anything else. And this is a lot like Rahab because Rahab also got married and she started a family. In Matthew 1, five through six, it talks about the, uh, uh, the lineage and it says that Solomon was the father of Boaz who has the, um, sorry, Solomon was the father of Boab, Boaz whose mother was Rahab. And then you go down in the lineage and there at the very bottom, it says, Mary gave birth to Jesus who is called the Messiah. Jesus, pure, perfect savior of the world. One of his great, 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 great grandmothers is Rahab, the prostitute. Amazing. Is that not incredible? Again, nobody should know who Rahab is. She should not have even survived. But literally her life gave space for Jesus. It literally did. It just, it made the way for Jesus. And that's where her identity is found. It is found in Jesus. Friends, can you not see the bigger story? The Bible reminds us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And this story, like it just gives me hope, right? 
God satisfies every need, every desire. He does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we can walk around unhindered and free because of God's love for us. So friends, please don't walk away tonight not getting something off your chest. Like I imagine maybe this talk has brought up some things that you're thinking about and about your own identity and like this whole Jesus thing. (laughs) And I'm asking, please don't walk away from tonight without talking to someone. Come, I, I would love to pray over you. If there's something that you need, tell me. My husband's Chris is here, like we'll pray over you. Um, ask a leader in your small groups, please make an opportunity for you to like share, like honestly share. Don't go this next school year with a boulder on your back, right? Like how I talked about my, I had that struggle of, you know, thinking like, hey, I feel alone and God's called me to this. Like, don't let this next school year be like the last. You don't have to do life like that. There is like a better way. And so please, tonight, I know that there's like probably a small group here, it's raining outside, but this could be the night that like things change for you. You are loved, you are wanted, and since the day you started breathing air through your precious lungs, God has walked you forward to this moment to show you that he sees you. Just as he called Rahab, he is calling you today. So as you go into your small groups, I just, again, encourage you to please open up, be honest, be honest with yourself, be honest before God. You're gonna talk about, um, I, there's a few small um, questions that I wrote up about comparison, confession, and confidence, just a few key things to help you get started in this conversation about identity.